Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is God Picks Our Presidents, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. This is going to, this is going to be a fun one, isn't it? 1 Kings 19, 15 to 18, God Picks Our Presidents, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I'm going to warn you now. First of all, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to probably upset everybody at some point in the service today. I'm just warning you now. I'm going to upset everybody. No matter where, what you think about our president, you're going to be upset. I'm going to ask you a favor. Don't walk out... And, and if you're listening to this on podcast, a lot of people listen on podcast, don't turn it off till you hear the end because you have no idea where I'm heading with this. It's like the wild mouse ride. That was one of my favorite rides as a kid. And you remember you get on the wild mouse and you never know which, where the turn was coming. It's going this way and boom, boom, boom. This passage and the, the different verses I'm going to bring in, you will never know where it's heading. It's like the wild mouse ride, okay? But hang on to the end because I think, um, I think by the end we're all going to be kind of on the same page uh, biblically and spiritually when we get to the end of this, okay? This story has so many, I didn't really want to preach it, but it has so many parallels after last week and Elijah and King Jehu and the anointings. I'm like, it has too many parallels to the USA. I've got to preach this one. Now, God, we saw last time that God gave Elijah a renewed purpose. Remember, he was depressed, he was, he was down. If you weren't here for any of those, go on the podcast, go on the YouTube, get a CD, because this is really a continuation. He was in the cave, he was depressed. God gave him a brand new purpose. We saw that. He gave him three jobs to do. And today I'm going to dig into what each of these tasks mean, both for Elijah and for us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing each one of us here. We know we're here for your purpose. You know you want to speak to each one of us for a specific reason. We pray for your mercy and grace and your Holy Spirit to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... 1 Kings 19, 15 to 18. I'm just going to focus on those three out of what we did last week. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape from the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Whew. Okay, so I'm going to save Elisha's anointing. He, he anoints three people. Elisha was a, the third one. I'm going to save his anointing for the next sermon series, because after this we're going to go from Elijah, which we've been on six months or so. We're going to go from Elijah to Elisha. And when we get there, I'm going to really focus on the anointing. But the other two are more than enough to keep us busy for today. In fact, Elijah probably gave Elisha the job of anointing the other two anyway. So, but but there, we're going to save that for later. We're saving Elisha for later, okay? So the very first one is he anoints Hazael, king of Aram. And the first thing that jumps out at us when we see that he says to go anoint Hazael, king of Aram, is this isn't an Israelite king. Elijah, Elijah is a prophet to Israel, but this is not an Israelite king. And it jumps out in that is that God is in control of world events. He's not just the God of Israel. He's not just the God of the United States. He's the God of the entire world, every country on earth. And God here 
we're going to see that he chooses a godless, wicked, ruthless murderer to be the king over Aram, which was Israel's rival at this time. That would be like saying God, God's picking this wicked person over Russia or China, you know, whoever we're battling at the time, you know, whoever we're mostly fighting. Oh, we'll use Iraq. Iraq, you know. No, Iran. 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 I'm mixing up. Okay, so he picks, it'd be like picking this vicious person, to, which is our rival. And that's what he was. He was a wicked murderer. In fact, in 2 Kings 8.15, 2 Kings 8.15 where he says here, listen to what this guy did. But the next day, talking about Hazael, but the next day he took a thick cloth, soaked it in water, and spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Hazael succeeded him as king. He murdered the king of Israel, his own king. He was the right-hand man of the king, and he murders him, smothers him because he was sick, couldn't do anything about it, smothers him with this cloth. That's what this guy was like. This is who God picked. Why? Did God pick Hazael to be the king of Aram, which was the main opponent of Israel at this time? Why did he do that? To judge Israel for turning away from the one true God. That's why. In fact, 2 Kings 8, while we're in 2 Kings, 2 Kings 8, back up a couple of verses to verse 11. Elisha uh, is, is talking to Hazael at this time. In, in verse 11, Elisha, he's talking about Elisha here. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazael felt ashamed. Then the man of God began to weep. So Elijah, sorry, Elisha, it's not easy doing this. Elisha, why did he pick such close? Oh, anyway, Elisha is looking at Hazael and, and he starts to weep. Elisha begins to weep. Why is my Lord weeping, asked Hazael. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places, kill their young men with a sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael said, how could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram, answered Elisha. He knew he was going to murder the king and become the king and be a vicious opponent. And he was... God was going to use Hazael to judge Israel. God uses foreign kings and foreign nations to judge Israel. They had crossed the line of grace. They had crossed the line of grace. They had persisted in the worship of Baal. And remember what we talked about when we were studying Baal worship? What was a really big part of Baal worship? The sacrifice of the children and the fire to Baal, the babies to, to Baal, was a big part of that, which God hates. It was the, finally the main reason why he judged Israel was for killing, sacrificing the babies. That was the last straw. Remember we talked about that with Manasseh? God often uses wicked rulers in war to punish his apostate people. If you read the Bible, it's one of the main tools he uses is war and, and, and uh, the sword to punish his apostate people. The United States had better watch out. If there's ever been a nation in apostasy, we are seeing it happen right now. Aren't we? We are, we are, no long, we are nowhere to be found in the book of Revelation. You read the book of Revelation, you don't see the U.S. You see Israel everywhere. 
They're the belly button of the world still. All throughout, we see the European Union, the revived Roman Empire is there. We see Russia, who makes a coalition with the Muslim nations around Israel. You see that in, in Ezekiel. You see Russia there, but you cannot, no matter how hard we've tried, we can't find the USA. Scary, isn't it? We were warned. I hope it's because we've all been raptured. <laughs> the whole country's been raptured. I hope it's because of that. But I'm a little afraid it's not that. We were warned on 9-11. The USA was warned on 9-11. But we have progressed in wickedness since that time. We have progressed in the wickedness, including the killing of the babies, which we just talked about. We have continue, continued down the path of wrath. The path of wrath. What is the path of wrath? The Apostle Paul lays it out in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Listen to this now. Follow the path of wrath. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were weak, darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart for sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. This is the path of wrath. It goes for nations. It goes for the world. World. It goes for nations. It goes for individuals. It goes for church de- churches. It goes for denominations. This is the path of wrath. And you can see what happened. They start out by rejecting God and turning to idols. They rejected God's creation. God didn't create us. We came from a big bang in evolution. They, they, they reject God. They re- then it goes to sexual sin. Sexual sin. We're not being judged for sexual sin. Sexual sin is the judgment. He gave us over to this. We saw the, the sexual revolution. A lot of you lived through that, barely. You know, the sexual revolution. And then it moved into the homosexual revolution. That's the next step in, in, in the, the, the path to wrath. And finally, as we move past that, the last step is the to a depraved mind. 
That's the last step. And I really believe the USA is, is, is now there. We have reached the, not just all these other, we've moved past these steps. We are on the final step, the step of the depraved mind in the USA today. We are seeing it today. You can't help but read the news or watch the news or, or you know, whatever. Follow what's happening. The, the stunning crimes the stunning sexual crimes that are just beyond comprehension, the, the violence that we're seeing, the mass shootings, they are, they are all signs of a depraved uh, uh, country, a depraved mind, de demoniacs, demonized individuals. And that's what we're, we're missing so much. I was reading an article about Beast of Darkness and it was connecting some dots. It was perfect. It's showing how the media... We'll do anything but connect the real dots to what is going on with these shootings and these horrible things that are happening. They'll do anything. To, uh, if you read about the guy down in Florida and you read about different ones, most of them are demoniacs. They're demon-possessed people. It's clear. In fact, but the, the media won't touch the spiritual part of it. They'll do anything. They'll apply it to anything but except the spiritual part. And, and it's very important. British news made the connection. The Daily Mail, we haven't done it, but they did it. They reported, the guy who did the shooting just recently in Dayton, the mass shooting, they reported that he was a drug user who played violent video games and he was a fan of Satanism. How many of you even knew that? Our media doesn't touch it. You've got to go to Great Britain to read this stuff, right? Uh, he's a fan of Satanism, satanic rituals, massacres. He wrote Hell Lucifer. He drew a satanic pentagram. Listen to what he wrote. Beasts of Darkness called up from the fiery pits, armies massing, soon to shed blood, the struggle eternal, vying for souls to fuel their war machines. I am the servant of the serpent, evil incarnate, flesh consumer, light destroyer, fueled by hate, to stroke fear into the hearts of the children of God and show them that hell awaits them now. This is the guy who did the shooting. And it's not just him. I bet if you did dig in, and the guy in Florida, the kid in Florida, his brother who shot everybody in the school, his brother said he was demon-possessed. We tried to tell everybody he was demon-possessed. You connect the dots. But what is happening is God is removing his hand of restraint. God is removing his hand of restraint. We're going to see why in a minute. We will see increasing wickedness and increasing judgment unless we repent, which Israel failed to do. Israel failed to do. So God not only picks Hazael to judge and torment him, but he picks a second form of judgment. A second form of judgment. Look what he does in uh, 1 Kings 19, 16 and 17. Look at the second person he picks. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. He's going to appoint Jehu to be the second sword of judgment. He picks him to be king over Israel, and yet he's picking him as a king, and yet he's still picked to judge Israel with the sword. This gets interesting. Jehu was not a godly man. Far from it. Not a godly man. He never ended up turning to God and following God and giving God any, any credit or anything. In fact, in 2 Kings 10.31, it talks about him. What it says in 2 Kings 10.31, he says about him, 
Yet Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. That was idolatry. He was not a godly man. He was an idolater. Not only that, he was also a very reckless man. <laughs> this is, you're going to find interesting. I know, some of you already know we're on a headache. All right, so he was a reckless man uh, in... Uh, let's see here. Second Kings nine twenty. Listen, what it, they're they're talking about Jehu here. They're watching him as he's coming ready to start the coup d'état and take over the kingdom. And listen to what it said. The, the lookout reported he has reached them, but he isn't coming back either. The driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. He was a madman. He had a reputation, Jehu, as, as not only godless, but a madman, a reckless person. Now, why would God pick a godless madman to be king over Israel? Why? Back to 1 Kings 19.17. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. He's God's judgment on Israel. That's why God made him the king. He was the judge. He was to bring judgment to Israel. He brought judgment to the wicked king Ahab and his family. Remember, Ahab's son, who was the king, he, Jehu, I'm not going to read it at all, but he ends up <clears throat> wiping out Jehub's, Ahab's family. Jehu kills Ahab's son, who was the king at that time. He killed Jezebel, Ahab's wife, the wicked Jezebel. He killed her. He went and killed Ahab's sons, 70 of them. He massacred 70 of his sons. He wiped out his line just as God said he was going to do. It's all God's judgment. He brought judgment to the Baal worshipers. He tricked all the priests and prophets of Baal to come into the temple. And he got them all inside. And when he got in, he sealed the doors and he just massacred them all. Had them all killed with the sword. Killed them all. The very temple where they were sacrificing babies on every day he sacrificed them in that same temple on their same altar he sacrificed them at the scene of the crime but jehu went too far jehu went too far god called him to judge ahab and his line but he went too far he went beyond what god had called him to do and he ended up being judged because of what he had done in fact in hosea in Hosea, chapter 1, verse 4, listen to what it says. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. Jehu went too far, and he was judged for it. He was commanded to kill Ahab's family, but he didn't stop there. He also then went and killed the king of Judah and many of his relatives. Now, he was, he was wicked too, but God did not tell him to kill the king of Judah. He went too far. And when he, when he killed the king of Judah, he set off a terrible chain of events in Judah where, where Ahab's and Jezebel's daughter, who was the queen mother, there was a lot of intermarriage between the two and it was really toxic, she, Athalia, did a coup d'etat, too. You see, she had, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, Athalia, had been given in marriage to the king of uh, Judah's son, and then they became the king and the queen. Then when her husband was killed by Jehu, she, now it should pass on to her 
kids. But she says, no, I'm going to be the queen. And she went and massacred the line of the king of Judah. All except for, all except for, one, Joash was hidden. Joash was hidden. The line of David was preserved because the Messiah must come through the line of David. Right? But you see what happened by going beyond what God wanted, by massacring the king of Judah and, and his relatives. He, he set off a terrible thing in Judah too. And God didn't tell him to do that. God did not tell him to do this. Let's connect some dots to the USA today. Hang on, don't leave. God has picked President Trump to be our president. It was, according to the Bible, it wasn't the Russians... It wasn't, he didn't steal the election. According to God's word, God picked President Trump to be our president. He did not pick him because he was a godly man or a spiritual man. We know that's not the case. But God can and does use anyone. No, he, I believe he picked him like Jehu to bring the sword of judgment. Now hang with me because it's going to go several different directions. It's a two-edged sword. He picked a madman like Jehu to get some things done. To fulfill God's plan for our country. God is using Trump to judge the USA today. I really believe he is a sword of judgment for us. To judge those, first of all, with an antichrist spirit. Because those who have an antichrist spirit, I'm talking about, not talking about Christians and stuff that don't like some things he's doing. I'm talking about those who are antichrist. He is freaking out the ungodly. He is exposed, he's not causing their hate. He's exposing their hate. Wait till I get to that part. God is using him to judge and expose the pro-abortion mob. The pro-abortion mob. What are the odds that this guy would care about abortion? But he's, he's, he's on the verge of overturning Roe versus Wade and saving millions of babies. What are the odds that he'd use this guy? Yeah? What are the odds? And he's infuriating the pro-abortion mob. You saw it with the Supreme Court nominations. He exposed their radical agenda. It's all about abortion. God is using him to judge anti-Semitism which many people and politicians hold to, but they've been able to hide behind a veneer, a veneer, but no longer because he is the most pro-Israel, Jewish, most pro-Jewish president in history, and it's freaking the anti-Semitics out. He has exposed their hate of God's people. They're actually calling in the Congress. They're calling Jews... The land of Israel, Nazis. I mean, think about that. That is the ultimate form of, of, of anti-Semitism. He's being used to that. This is freaking out the ungodly. He's exposing them. He's using Donald Trump to judge them. But, having said that, like Jehu, President Trump has also gone too far at times. God is using him, but he has gone too far at times. And we have to be careful not to go with him when he does this. We love what he's doing with abortion and life. We love what he's doing with, with the nation of Israel. We love what he's doing defending the persecuted around the world. We love those things. But when he goes too far, like Jehu, we have to be careful as Christians not to go with him. 
In his attempt to secure our borders, we'll talk about that in a minute, he has made minorities feel unwelcome. There's no way around it. No matter, they, they, he has made them feel unwelcome. And now I know it's difficult because the media and the, his political opponents are fanning the flames of, ra- flames of racism and division. I know they're doing that. But he still needs to be way more careful what he says. And he has to, to find a whole different way of, of, of you know, what he gets his message out. He has to be way more careful with his tweets and to work toward unifying us racially. If he really isn't racist, he has to work to unifying us racially. Very, very important. And the church needs to do all we can to join hands. The church should be the first to unify this country racially. We should be reaching a hand, hands out to all the, you know, we, you know how much I hate racism. We should be reaching out and joining hands with everybody of every race and, and showing the world what real racial unity looks like. We're talking about the racial reconciliation. Remember those Promise Keeper? Anybody was at the Promise Keeper events? Showing your age. Uh, Promise Keeper, right? But remember, remember the racial reconciliation was, was so powerful at those Promise Keeper events? That's what we need. President Trump has also been far too aggressive with illegal immigrants, most of whom would make wonderful citizens. Yes, we need secure borders. I've talked about this. We need secure borders, and we need proper channels for legal immigration. We need that. And yes, we need to deport illegal immigrants that are criminals, you know, that have broken the law, felonies, all that. You know, no doubt about that. Yes, it's said that his political opponents are using the immigrants as pawns and, and blocking the attempts at reform, which, need to, which could happen right away and hurting the very people they claim they care about, then yes, that is true. But, we, but for years, we have let in immigrants, legal or illegal, we have, never, we have not enforced these laws. We've been very, very lenient. Uh, many of these people have hired lawyers and they're trying to become legal. They have had children here who are U.S. citizens. Uh, so, so many of them are very positive. They're wonderful people, most of them. I'm talking about most, 90% of them are wonderful people. Would make wonderful citizens. We should make a path, at least a work path, and then a, a, a citizen path. We should make that path. We don't have to jump on this bandwagon. Yes, secure the borders. Yes, legal immigration. Yes, I totally agree with that. But yet, because we've been so lenient and let all these people in and they become part of our country, we have to make a path to, to let them stay. A lot of them are my friends. We know them. We love them. We don't want them kicked out. They're wonderful. We have to make, we, we can't correct past wrongs by hurting people. We have to figure this out together. And I know it's hard because of the political opponents and all that garbage, and they're all trying to use them as pawns, and I get that. But, but President Trump does go too far, and we have to be careful not to go with him. President Trump, like Jehu, is unpredictable and has been very polarizing and divisive. Now, let me say this. Even his divisiveness may be part of God's plan. Even that may be part of God's plan. Another part of God's judgment on the USA today. We have, been, we have not been this divided as a country since when? Civil War. We have not been this divided since Lincoln's election. Who, on his election, divided the country like never before. 
We all, you know, we all revered Lincoln now, but when he was elected, he was hated. A third of the country pulled out, and out of the other two-thirds, a third of them didn't vote for him. He got elected with one-third of the votes. Talk about not getting the majority. We, God used him and division to judge our country for the evil sin of slavery. God used him and used that division to judge both north and south for the sin of slavery. And God has divided us once again as a judgment for the evil national sin of abortion. 60 million babies. Mind-boggling. 60 million babies. Unless we repent, as a church and as a nation, God's judgment will intensify. We're just getting started. I want to connect a few more dots. What God's plan could mean for us before I close here. God has picked President Trump for his purpose. For his purposes. And God will also pick the next president for his purpose yes god will pick the next president and it may be the last person we want as christians but it will be god's choice the next president may be completely anti-christ we've already gone a few through a few of those right and it will be god's choice it reminds me of what happened with Joseph and Pharaoh. Remember Joseph and Pharaoh? Joseph, he was he, like this with Pharaoh, and he's in power with Pharaoh, and they're doing all these good things. They saved the Israelites. They protected the Israelites. But then when that Pharaoh died, who, by the way, if you study history, he was a foreign Pharaoh who came in and took over and made the Egyptians very angry. When he died, the, the Egyptians saw the Israelites as connected with this foreign Pharaoh. And they saw them as the enemy. And they hated them for that. And that's why they enslaved the Israelites in Egypt for all those years. They enslaved them because they saw them as connected to that Pharaoh. This is all part of God's plan. Why? Because what was God's goal? The exodus. He didn't want to be comfortable in Egypt. He wanted to be very uncomfortable in Egypt. He was preparing to get them out of there. And that's how God orchestrated the whole thing. We may be in those same shoes. We may see a boomerang when the next president gets elected, whenever that is. We may see a boomerang. We're already being warned. I don't know if you've been following, but there's a lot of big-name people out there warning us, all oh, you people who, you know, you know we're going to get you when we get back in power. So much tolerance. Can't deal with all that tolerance. We're going to get you. You saw the movie that they canceled. They haven't put it up at the hunt. They had the hunt, hunting people with guns. All the people who claim they don't like guns are oh, going to you know, go watch this movie about people being shot with guns, hunting people that supported President Trump, which, un, which would be Christian, a lot of Christians. Most Christians voted for Trump. For the, why? Not because we love Donald Trump. We voted for the Supreme Court. We voted for the, the babies. When we heard... Hillary Clinton say that she, and in that debate, she lost the election in that debate when she said, I'm okay with partial birth abortion, pulling a baby out 
by the legs and, and just before that comes out sticking a sharp object in and sucking its brains out. That's when she lost that election. And Christians went, <laughs> as bad as he is, she's worse. As bad as Jehu is, Jezebel's worse. And, and that's when the evangelicals, most of them, voted to save babies. And we are hated for that. Listen, I'm telling you, we are hated for that. For trying to save babies. I'll tell people, we're just trying to save babies. We, they they hate, hate me for that. It's crazy, isn't it? Trying to save babies makes us hated. Think about that spiritually. Think about that. But we were hated long before President Trump. Remember when we started this church? Some of you were here when we needed policemen here for three months. I could always count on at least two people showing up for the new church. Two policemen. We're in here every week. Because they did not want a Bible-believing church in New Hope. And they told me that clearly. And they threatened and all the hateful things they said. Right? In, no, no matter so I said, I'm just here to sh- help share the love of Jesus. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be a different person. No, hate. It was hate. But we've seen many people set free, haven't we? Many of those same people who hated us have not been, become part of our church, have been set free, have their lives transformed. Many of them. But it, this hate was long before President Trump. It's just exposed now. The real reason they hate us, John 15 says this. In John 15, 18, Jesus tells us the real reason that we are hated. He says this in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They hate us because of Jesus Christ, and they don't know the one true God. Whatever God they're praying to, it's not Jehovah. It's not the Father of Jesus Christ. That's the test. And if you are not hated by this world, I'm not talking because you're mean or nasty or something, but if you're speaking the truth in love, you will be hated. And if you're not hated by this world, you better check your spiritual pulse. Because 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you are never persecuted in this society, check your spiritual pulse. Because things have changed, haven't they? But just as with Joseph, just as with Joseph, God will use this hate to lead Christians out of the world. He used that hate to separate the Israelites from the Egyptians. He used that slavery to separate them. God will use this hate to lead Christians out of this world. To separate the sheep from the goats. To prepare us for the rapture. Whenever that happens. We are still discussing that. All right, whenever that happens. And we're already seeing this happen. We are seeing this happen already. That churches and denominations are dividing over lightning rods like homosexuality and abortion. They're dividing. God is using that. God is separating the wheat from the weeds with these lightning rods and with a lot of other things too. He's separating the wheat from the weeds. In fact, in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 13, 
In Matthew 13, verse 24, it says this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemies came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them it into my barn. God is separating the wheat from the weeds. God is separating true Christians from the false Christians. He's separating it. You see it happen all the time. We're seeing it happen constantly. We're seeing it with these, the news has been shocking, the, these Christian influencers, these people with these big ministries are all of a sudden showing their true colors. Have you been following the stories? People who have written these best-selling books, Christian books, are now all of a sudden not Christian. And they're trying to pull other people out of the body of Christ. People who have, who have led big worship ministries are not, all of a sudden, we're not a Christian anymore. And they're trying to pull everybody with them. Not just as they use their influencing for good. They're now using it to pull people out of the, the church. People that uh, have these big churches. People that have won all kinds of Dove Awards. Just because they have a good voice doesn't make them spiritual. You see what they really believe and you're like... <gasps> How can they be considered a Christian artist with these anti-biblical views? With their six double awards? How can that happen? These are goats. <laughs> God is separating the sheep from the goats. I grew up on a farm. You should hear my sheep. All right. Well, all right. Sheep. Goats. All right. That's why they sound different. I can do them all. I can do them all. All right. 18 years on the farm. All right. So. But that is what God is doing. He's separating the true Christians from the false ones, the sheep from the goats. We see this happening all over the world. God is separating us. How is he separating us? Through intense persecution. All over the world we are seeing intense persecution like never before worldwide. Intense persecution. And it's going to come here too. Matthew 24, you will be hated by all nations because of me. It is coming here. We see it already. The birth pains are here, right? We're seeing it. But God has a purpose. This is all God's doing. God has a purpose. 1 Peter 4, 16 and 17. 1 Peter 4, 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Judgment has begun. God is separating the true believers from the false believers. It's happening all over the world through persecution. And it's going to happen here too. He's going to separate us from the world. And he's also preparing us for the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not coming back for a prostitute, a harlot. He's coming back for a pure bride. He's coming back for believers who are dressed in white. In the righteousness of Jesus Christ. First Peter, backing up just a couple verses. First Peter 4, 12 to 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Are we ready? Do we see God's purpose in everything? Presidents and persecutions and trials that we're going through in our life? Do we see God's purpose? Are we ready for Jesus Christ to come again? How is he refining us? How is he working in our lives? As Christians, are we, are we being refined? Are we becoming like the world? Are we being transformed by the renewing of our minds? Standing against the world and the culture? What do we need to surrender this morning? At this very moment, what do we need to surrender and truly repent of? What way of thinking do we really need to change that our minds agree with God? How is the Holy Spirit convicting us? While we're praying about that, I want to ask, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know you're ready to face Jesus? Have you ever put your faith in him, really put your faith in him, given your life to him? You can do that right now. It doesn't matter what you carried in here. It doesn't matter what you believed when you came in here. If you're ready to believe in Jesus, if you're ready to put whatever you've carried in at the cross of Jesus Christ, it could be anything. Oh, we've got some testimonies here, don't we? We all do. It could be anything. Are you ready to put it at the cross of Jesus Christ and pray the prayer of faith and make Jesus your Savior? your king. You can pray that right now. The simple prayer of faith. God, I don't want the garbage anymore. I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the shame anymore. I I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. Everything and anything I put at the cross of Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him.
his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, I put my faith in him. I receive my new life. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something radical, amazing, beyond comprehension has happened to you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You're a brand new creation. Your life will never be the same. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know, maybe tell me on the way out, or you came with a family member or a friend here, or felt the card in the bulletin, or text me, email me. I love those texts. I love those calls. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as an ending prayer that you would empower each of us to be like Jesus and to speak the truth and love in a world that is turning against you. I pray that you would use us for revival. In Jesus' name.